Hey, and you're back with Techno Babble, episode 21, which means we can now drink in all states and provinces. Woo! <laughs> which is ironic, considering I just was in the states. And currently drinking. That's true. Something from the states, which I brought back from the states, actually. One of the many different alcoholic beverages I brought back from the states. <laughs> <laughs> Did you declare that, or did you hide it in your glove compartment and think what they don't know won't hurt them? Are you kidding me? That that French lady at the border scared the crap out of me. Of course I declared it. Jesus. <laughs> I thought she was going to rip me a new woohoo. <laughs> in case you're wondering who the fuck we are, I'm Mike King, and joining me is my co-host, Richard Reeder. Hey, hey, hey. And we're here to talk about technology stuff, not completely in-depth or... Uh, you know, really heavy jargon hey, stuff. Where, hey, hey, hey! What? Don't, don't forget the science, man. And the science. Don't forget the science. And chemistry and biology. <laughs> science. Just interesting rules. knowledge shit. Inertia is a property of matter. Mike, 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 King, the science guy. You're, you're saying Mike, that Mike, while Mike, Mike, Mike. <laughs> you're saying that while <laughs> trying to sound like Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know what he sounds like. Does he sound like that? Yeah, kind of. Basic. I thought he was more of a Morgan Freeman feel to him. Uh, in between. Oh, okay. In between. Perfect. He just like le- ju- he's a tweener. Yeah, just like le- he's like Morgan Freeman, but less uh, less offensively complimentary. <laughs> what the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> well, you haven't heard about Morgan Freeman getting in trouble for uh, overly complimenting ladies? No, but that's awesome. Apparently it is that is like the opposite of sexual abuse. That's amazing. Oh no, it's like the, it's like sexual abuse versions of compliments. Like, oh, oh. hey there, sugar, you're looking mighty rap today. Well, you know what? At least uh, we've had two acquitted uh, cases recently. We had uh, who was it? Uh, George Takai uh, got acquitted, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he's no longer in the picture for, um, I guess, sexually assaulting or molesting or, or, or any of that. It was, for, it was uh, one guy's story, and it was boys. full of inconsistencies. Morgan Freeman has at least eight accusers so far. So, you know, where, where there's smoke, there's probably a very sexy-looking fire. <laughs> um, but my favorite, my favorite uh, person to get uh, acquitted recently, and he actually just came back out of his social media uh, silence after... Oh gosh, like six or eight months at least was uh, former WWE uh, tag team champion, NXT champion, and cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore. Bada bing, bada boom, realest guy in a room. What you doing? How you doing? You know, for the, yeah. for the longest time, I thought you were about to talk about Al Franken. No, 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 no. I'm a yeah. I'm a I'm a a closet wrestling fan. Although I don't really watch it live anymore. I just listen to other people talk about how crappy it is these days for the most part but uh that one guy he's like he has so much charisma mm-hmm. and uh some chick accused him of stuff and uh fortunately he got acquitted recently and now he's a rapper he just released um his first rap song the other day which basically is just a big huge diss on that woman for fucking with him <laughs> I'm not disrespectful to women, except for this one woman. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I would play it, but I don't have my proper soundboard set up. <laughs> and this is a tech show, not a rap I show. I respect all girls that say no, except for one who lies, except and she's a damn hoe. I, I'm not a good rapper. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, well, we knew that already. So. As long as his rhymes are better than that. They are slightly, although, let me tell you, they're nothing in compared to uh, Eminem, who I just saw live this weekend. Amazing. So that was my weekend. Let's talk about some tech. All right. Okay. Well, there's amazing things happening all over the world. And the world is uh, 70% water. So, interestingly enough, we are finding that people... Like, you've heard of self-driving cars, right? Uh, yes. Well, now they're making self-driving boats. Okay, but isn't that already kind of a thing? Don't, I thought boats had, like, autopilot for, like, a long time. Didn't uh, they? For going in one direction, maybe, but, you know, steering around or coordinating oh. with other shit. Not so much. So you don't just you just don't tie the, the thing with rope anymore? Like the steering wheel? Is it called a steering wheel on a boat? Or is well, it you, are steering, you are steering the boat. I guess... Yeah. Unless you're, I guess unless, I don't know much about boats. Unless, unless, <laughs> unless you're tying the rope on it, in which case you aren't really steering it. You're just holding it from. You're just making it like veer in one direction. Yar, I be veering too far, matey. <laughs> Yar, a little slack in the rope. <laughs> so, I'm not a real captain. Yar. 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 Dejected are. So, so driving, self-driving boats. What do we got? <laughs> Researchers from MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, or CSAIL, eh? and the Sensible okay. City Lab in the Department of Urban Studies and Planning, or DUSP, well, le- less, uh, less punny, they've taken a step forward towards the future, which, by designing a fleet of autonomous boats that offer high maneuverability and precise control, and they can be rapidly 3D printed using a low-cost printer, making mass manufacturing more feasible. Now, these boats can be used to taxi people around, deliver goods, easing traffic. I imagine you have to, hmm. instead of uh, crossing the Ottawa Ontar- the Ontario-Quebec Bridge, you just drive down to the edge... And you can just go along Gatineau and get off at uh, whatever point in Quebec you want. Huh. Instead of taking so a, like... uh, instead of taking the roads or the Queensway or the highway, you can just take the waterway. Oh, wow. That would actually be um, quite useful, especially if you could uh, drive your car onto it from a dock or something like that because of uh, how congested some, like, the roads and stuff get between uh, borders, especially between Ottawa and uh, Gatineau Hall because of uh, you know all the government and whatnot, but people would be able to go instead of having to go all along the roads to get to like Elmer or, or whatever, which is Elmer, you know, like not Elmer, yeah, across the across the pond yeah. and up. You'd just be able to literally just float right in front of your house. Basically, you just have to build yourself a dock. So that's that's pretty cool. Although the boats don't seem too too big. I mean, it's only it says it's a matter of size, so they can be used, four by two. They can be used right now to do uh, taxi people and deliver goods. However, you get those things to link up like Voltron, boom! You just increase your carrying space. Mm, and I'll form the head <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, and and so they're they they're with, still experimenting with this. Yeah, they're working on it. It's got sensors, microcontrollers, GPS modules, and other program and other hardware, but they can be programmed to assemble to floating bridges, concert stages, platforms for food markets, and other structures, all within a matter of hours. 
Now, all I'm picturing, or all I'm picturing, as soon as you said stages, is uh, Green Day and The Simpsons when they start sinking. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been an honor. Yeah, and I hope you start had the time the of your life. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Now, the boats can also be equipped with environmental sensors to monitor cities' water. You know, so they're oh. also, you know, keeping an eye on your on the pH levels mm. and gain insight into urban and human health. And uh, then it goes on to talk about co-authors on the paper. But let's talk about the let's talk about the design. It was conducted as part of the rowboat, ex- like robot, but rowboat mm-hmm. and a collaboration between MIT and the Amsterdam Institute for blah, 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 blah in 2016. And uh, they made these boats using, uh, with 3D printing, a rectangular hull with a commercial printer producing 16 separate sections that get spliced together. Printing takes about 60 hours. The completed hull is then sealed by adhering several layers of fiberglass. Integrated onto the hull are the power supply, the Wi-Fi antenna, GPS, and a mini-computer. I wonder if they're using uh, something akin to a, a Raspberry Pi or something like that. You probably could. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So the next step is developing adaptive controllers to account for changes in mass and drag when transporting people and goods. Once you get that shit yeah. figured, like imagine that taking a a like a, a a tiny ferry across the water. You're just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take my car. I'm just like taking my bike, or I'm just walking to Gatineau, but I don't want to, you know, cross the bridge. Then you just get on this little platform and it'll take you right to the uh, dock and you can climb the mountains, do your shit, and then come back. That's pretty cool. Now, but they've only tested this with smaller uh, versions right now, I believe, right? Yes. But uh, they're testing them in the canals of Amsterdam. Oh, that's some dirty ass shit. Uh, Trust me, I was there a little while ago. That is brown, brown water. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're turning into Freeman. That, I'm just saying. That is like, some brown you know. dookie. And I know a guy that went, like, crawled through four miles of that stuff. You know, like, they say they clean that shit all the time, and apparently there's this big, huge thing where they, where, you know, every, I think it's once a year, everybody goes swimming in the canals and stuff, including the, uh, the royalty. Um, but it's just, uh, I would not swim in that water. I, I took a boat tour in that water. And uh, it does not look clean at Think all. Think about it. Put <laughs> put filters and skimmers on these boats. Filters. That's true. Skimmers. Like any other types of things. You can use these robots, a fleet of these things, to clean up the water. And if they're 3D printed, then theoretically that means that they could be cost effective to a certain extent. Hell, you could probably, theoretically. You could probably make them out of the same shit you're taking out of the water. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if they were smart about it, uh, they would put out the uh, like the blueprints to be able to do. Well, I don't know if they're smart about it, but if they were really nice about it, I should say, <laughs> Open they would put out they'd put out the blueprints so that every, you know other people would be able to uh, take this and print it out, and then maybe you could take like a laptop apart or something like an old laptop or an old desktop, and and create the computer and then just download the program. So like if they open sourced this. And then, you know, random people would be able to print out their own smaller boats 
and have fun competitions and make their own radio-controlled things and be able to uh, come up with even more great ideas from something like this. I'm a big fan of open source, so if they open source this, that would be amazing. And open sourcing is, is a really you know, big thing that a lot of uh, these places like MIT and, and whatnot tend to uh, do. So that is a, a pretty big possibility if we're lucky. Exactly. So this looks like a nice idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it can do. Yeah, for sure. That would be that'd be uh, pretty damn interesting. I guess we've only got uh, you know another five to ten years to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then what do you got next, buddy? Boom. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, not before then. We'll see what happens uh, south of the border there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a question. Have you ever? When's the last time that you have uh, stepped in chewing gum? knowingly i'm not sure actually i think uh the street cleaning in ottawa has actually been uh pretty good because i don't or maybe uh maybe people are just being you know less assholeish or something but i i don't know the last time i stepped in gum actually i know the last time i i sat in gum probably was within the past year or two but i don't know about stepped why well it turns out a lot of places actually don't have the same clean streets we do and gum is a problem mm -hmm. i can see that well an amsterdam-based clothing company explicit wear is helping to eliminate the second most common form of litter in the city by turning chewing gum into shoe soles what yep now you can always have gum in your shoes <laughs> and they've launched it is wait hold on is that their actual tagline Tell me that's their tagline. <laughs> well, no, they don't have me working for them. But but what they did call, they did call it the gumshoe. And it's made by partnering with sustainability company Gumdrop and tourist organization I Amsterdam to break down the synthetic properties of gum and convert it into a whole new type of rubber called Gumtech. And it takes about 2.2 pounds of ABC gum which I guess is like regular chewing gum, for every four pairs of gum shoes. And since there's roughly 3.3 million pounds of used gum in the streets of the Dutch city, the material is not hard to come by. Hmm. So, so it says... Interesting. Oh, yeah. And they're putting up... Uh, just to help, they're putting up little uh, receptacles. You know, like those ashtrays that you see on posts? Yep. Except these ones are for gum. And oh, it says recycle like your it. gum here. So it saves. That's actually really innovative. Yeah. So it saves the scraping, and you automatically can contribute to making footwear, which it says is currently available for pre-order, and then will go on sale in June for two hundred and thirty-two dollars a pair. Yeah. Two hundred and thirty-two euro or two hundred and thirty-two American. I'm imagining it's American. Okay, so that's like what. 340 or something Canadian probably I would imagine you... which uh, I'm not a big sneaker aficionado is that uh, a fucking insane amount of money or am I just cheap um that's I don't know about insane but that's certainly it that would be $299.62 Canadian at the current um conversion rate uh as our Canadian dollar is uh, not doing so well right now 
Um, so $300 before taxes probably seems like a lot. Although on the other hand, I'm sure a pair of Yeezy shoes is probably just as expensive, though why anybody would want to give that asshole any more money is a different story. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm not sure if gum is like the most durable product. Oh, turns out if you go to Gumdrop Limited, that's gumdropltd.com and check out the Gumtech products, well, there is a bunch of these products. I am looking at pencils, that's right, pencils made with recycled gum. And then, the whole pencil? I imagine the lead isn't, but <laughs> you replace the wood with the uh, gum. You fucking smart ass. Oh, they've got dress shoes. They have Americano mugs. Guitar picks, Ooh. bicycle spokes, rulers. Oh, they've got rain boots. Sports cones, frisbees. Holders to hold more gum. Doorstops. A meal mate, wow. which is a, oh my God, a meal mate. If you look at this thing, it's a spoon on one end and a fork on the other. This is fucking brilliant. They even this have comb. This is actually really cool. Yeah, they even have I a am... comb so you can finally want to have gum in your hair. I am impressed. This is a... Oh, and even... Uh, yeah, they've even got... Uh, yeah, that mug. That's it. When you said Americano mug, I was like, what the fuck is that? But I don't speak Starbucks, so that's why I don't really go out and drink coffee. If I'm going to drink a coffee, which I wouldn't, I would make it myself because, you know, I'm not going to go and get a coffee and then just throw it. Like, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Make your own coffee, lazy bums. <laughs> Um, I'm just being bitter because I just spent a week in the States <laughs> and had to drive through Montreal, which, oh God, don't do that. But interestingly, these shoes actually are also, I believe it said biodegradable, actually. It said 20 to 30, 20 to 30 years biodegradable. Huh? So that to me almost is just as important as the fact that it is um, made from recycled gum, as it were. Yep. And, and they have a uh, yeah. there's a pencil case which is ten assorted pink and plain Gumtech pencils with a Gumtech ruler, and it, it goes to any address in the UK for eight pounds. Seems wow. a little expensive for pencils, unless pencils are more expensive than I thought. Yeah. Again, yeah, it is. But you're also pretty much see the problem with uh a lot of green technology is because it's so new and recyclable it takes more energy and and um more resources to recycle stuff sometimes than it does to create new things and unfortunately uh the way our society works is we don't care necessarily how we get the product we just want it as cheap as possible because of the way that the economy in certain countries is we can't necessarily afford to pay a couple of extra dollars for something that's better for the planet and all we care about is ourselves we don't care about the future generations or the future of the planet yeah, you have we're just caring about the here and now and me and mine yeah, you have to take and that's you have all to we take into account that there's research and development costs that need to be recuperated as exactly. well as as well as not having a mass production facility exactly and and on top of that, you know, like all these technologies do get cheaper and more efficient over time, right? Like the more the more of something you make, the cheaper it gets. So eventually these prices uh, probably will come down. But that's that's really cool, man. And I, I, I'm actually kind of uh, 
I guess not surprised that uh, so far you're you're uh, two for two out of Europe here. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to me that uh, this is the European episode so far. Eurobabble. Amsterdamian. Amsterdamian? Amsterdam. Ooh, I like it. I like it. What do we got next there, brother? Well, I'm looking at uh, this interesting weed kill solar-powered oh, weed-killing robot. Oh, what? Fuck that no, it's shit. it's not a weed-growing robot. So what does it... It's, what? it's from a company called Eco Robotics, and they have a, a device called the Autonomous oh. Robot Weeder. It basically... Dude, dude, you should probably just right off the bat, you should, like you know really state what type of weed we're talking about here <laughs> we're a canadian podcast so when you say a smart weeding robot you really gotta you know tell people what type of weed you mean here <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's an so we we don't mean the smokable kind no this is a farming tool <laughs> so what this thing does is it's autonomous it has a 95% detection rate. It's solar powered, easy to control with a smartphone, easy maintenance, lightweight, non-hazardous, and it uses 20% less herbicide than other mass delivery methods, up to 30% less expensive than standard treatments, an improved yield because there's no herbicide left on the crops, and it conserves the organic life of the soil because it's lightweight, it has limited soil compaction. So it doesn't crush the weight. It doesn't crush the soil down with a large machine driving over it. And it can use recognition by camera and GPS navigation system. So it always has a perfect deployment grid. And it uses micro doses to deliver the herbicide. So that you're never spending too much. You're never overdosing the plants. It's always just enough. Yeah. And it says it can run up to 12 hours a day off of the... Uh the solar panels which is pretty damn impressive i would say yep and if you want to uh if you want to just like bolt a a used leaf battery on it then you can just make that last all night too uh i feel like the soil impact would probably um greatly increase <laughs> if you did that however <laughs> it's not a great idea it's just a, it's something you can do it's like you can drive a car with your feet if you desire I'm not saying it's a great idea or an improvement. It's just a thing you can do. Well, I personally use my knees. That's much easier. But okay, if you want to go for your feet, sure. <laughs> That's my fucking um, what? It, what? A Tesla fucking autopilot is called my fucking knees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keeps my hands free to. All right, I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Now it says the now the annual patterns of use you can use for this in March to April you can use it to like eradic eradication of perennials in meadows and intercropping cultures. From May to June it can be used for weeding beetroot, but other cultures are in the pipeline and will be added with new software updates. Oh oh, oh my fuck! Um, <laughs> in, this is definitely a swear heavy episode. <laughs> in, in June to August it says eradication of weeds in meadows and intercropping cultures, but the last one got me from september to october weeding rape and eradicating perennials i mean I, i'm okay with just yanking the weeds out of the ground but if this is how you choose to kill them that's 
that seems a little gratuitous to me. Also seems a little insensitive in our, um, I guess, in, in the uh, Morgan Freeman talking episode. <laughs> yeah, well, in in the Weinstein era of things, I think rape is a uh, is a is an actual weed or a plant. I I, I hope, hope it is. So. <laughs> oh my god, if it if yeah. it, oh my god, like this thing would need different attachments if that's how it's going to kill the weeds. Yeah. Well, then again, you could probably just 3D print them. Uh, I Have like you how, seen the, uh, uh, what it looks like up close with the uh, technical data? No. However, I was just checking out the video, and uh, it's it's really... The way that it moves is actually really quite smooth, and I do like the fact that it says that it has um, auto plant detection, I believe. Plant recognition with a camera that's pointed down in front of it. And of course the camera is green and the, uh, I guess peripherals or not peripherals, but the, but the arm, the ends of the arms that deliver the microdose again are a plant green so that you know that this is for, you know, farming and plants. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's hilarious. It's such a lightweight thing. It's only got like six parts, really. It's got a, yeah. uh, the photovoltaic panels, which seem to comprise the body. A camera and artificial vision for steering and detection, navigation by GPS and sensors, an electrical drive system, rapid robotic arms with sprayers, and tanks for two different products. Oh, so you can have two different poisons on board. And the whole thing weighs about 130 kilograms. 130 kilograms. See, I'm Canadian. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's got a robotic kilograms. arm, which it describes as fast delta. Which really sounds like some anime stripper. Uh, 286 pounds of stripper. Damn! <laughs> so, Fast Delta, executing 4,000 movements per hour. Navigation, 100% of the field covered. Precision within 2 centimeters. Well, 200% of how big of a field, though? They didn't say, right? I guess any field. It's, it doesn't matter, because as long as there's sunlight on that field... It'll do the whole damn thing. It doesn't matter how big your field is. <laughs> no, if it can be done in 12 hours, then it's enough. So it's got two 15-liter tanks, which is more than enough for one day of autonomous operation, considering, again, microdoses, so there's no wasted herbicide. This is cool. And it covers two meters Let's at a time. Let's just say poison. No wasted poison. Well, who knows? Like, maybe they have, like, some... I wonder if there's any, like... Like safe organic pesticides. Uh, I don't feel like the word safe organic and pesticide go together, but you never know. Well, <laughs> you know, something that can kill plants but not people. Well, when they know, you'll know, you know. <laughs> so the effectiveness, 95% <laughs> of weeds detected and destroyed. That's actually a very high percentage. This is this could definitely be um, very useful, and I do like the fact that uh, although it's still using some form of herbicide or pesticide or poison or whatever you want to call it, um, because it's giving microdoses, that's definitely going to lessen the amount that is in our um, products, whether that be food or whatever it is, because, of course, not all um, crops are just for our own consumption it can also be for other animals it can also be for certain products insects too like well. think about the bees the bees get 
poisoned with these chemicals as yep, well. That is true. Yeah, won't somebody please think of the bees? Oh, if you want your shit pollinated for free, yeah, you will think of the bees. Yeah, exactly. Until we come up with that uh, robot bee from uh, Richie Rich, then... Uh, oh, it's real. Until then, we're screwed. It's real. They've already done it. Yeah, but not as cool as Richie Rich did. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think they can make honey with them. Once they do, then fuck the bees. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy with a robot bee that will not sting me. I don't know. It did. It stung some people. How long? Have you not seen the movie? Come on, man. It's Macaulay Culkin. Peak of Macaulay Culkin, man. Wait, that was in the Richie Rich movie, the Robot Bees. Yeah, that was that was one of his new inventions he was working on, along with the uh, what was it called, the the Smellovision or something, or the the Smello Gun or whatever it was that helped them smell the the bomb. You don't remember this shit, man? Come on. I, don't think I saw that movie. Oh, bro. Come on, bro. So, wait, something from a Richie Rich movie actually is... they. Someone actually saw that and thought, I need to dedicate years of research to making this real. And they did it with I the guess. robot bee. Wow. I guess, yeah. And yet, we still don't have transporters from Star Trek. What the fuck, people? Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are worried about being in a prestige situation where they actually do get killed in the transporter and it's just some clone made out of their exact parts and memories and experiences up to that point that gets assembled on the other end. I'd be okay with that. Because you wouldn't know that you were a clone, technically, right? If you just... If it was well, a, a carbon copy of you... Your clone wouldn't know. You, however, would be fucking dead. And if there's an yeah, after, so again, you would know. And if there's an afterlife, you'd know it. Oh my God! Can you imagine That's the true. afterlife if you go through this thing, a transporter, like fifty times, forty times throughout your life, and you go to heaven, and there's fifty versions of you. Oh, but some of you, some some of you might not go to heaven. So that'd actually be kind of cool because the first you to do this would probably go to hell, but the second you to do this might go to heaven if you go to confession afterwards. Then yeah. your clone gets a... Oh, you can go to confession before using a transporter. You go to heaven, and then your clone, who, who like, may think, oh, well, I didn't die, so, yeah, I'm going to live it up. Where's the hookers and the drugs? And I think I'm going <laughs> to... I think I'm going to buy child slaves. And then, boom, <laughs> he ends up going to hell, and he's just like, where's, me? where's the other me? And then he remembers, oh, that guy went to confession and didn't, like, buy children over the internet on the dark web. So I'm, t I'm thinking of two things right now. One, I think I'm a clone now. There's always seems clone to be now. two of me around. <laughs> and also Purgatoni, which if anybody has never heard of this, it's a great online uh, show. You can get it on the Black Pills app. Uh, it's hilarious. They're only 10 minute episodes, but it's it's a guy who works in purgatory and has to decide whether people go to heaven or hell. And I just picture that being oh, the, exactly what is happening here. This would be here. his worst fucking day. <laughs> yeah, just the same person over and over and over. <laughs> Except he's, <laughs> he's just like, what the fuck? Didn't I just let you in two years ago? No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I used... Didn't I, I just I, let you in five minutes ago? I, yeah, man. I had to make, make another stop to the Walmart. I forgot something. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to the Walmart in the States, so... Yeah. You know, I didn't want to drive, so, you know, here I am. And <laughs> the guy's just like, but wait a second, you're... 
I just let you in like two days ago and you were wearing a different shirt and you had a different haircut, but it's definitely you. I mean, I've got your name and your... What the fuck? <laughs> oh, my oh, God. the possibilities. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've discovered, we, we've considered the spiritual applications of a device. I also think this is the first time that we've gone so far off topic that we've forgotten what the good news of the day is. Well, I haven't. Because good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. What's the biggest problem with pollution in our oceans today? Uh, it's not edible, and I can't have sex with it. True, and both of those things describe plastic. <laughs> and the or thing is, is that hard-to-recycle plastics are a terrible Thing. They're killing fish. They're they're not breaking down, but they are breaking apart, which means they can get mm -hmm. eaten by fish that can digest yep. them. They pile up in their guts. We got dead fish, and the ocean is dying, and it's all our fault because we're a bunch of fucking assholes. However, there may be hope if it's not too late. An enzyme has been developed by Japanese researchers, and it was discovered accidentally in 2016. The breakthrough has made international headlines because of the bacteria's ability to, di to digest polyethylene terephthalate, or PET. PET is favored for its lightweight, colorless, durable properties, which make it an ideal material for water bottles, plastic trays, blister packaging, polyester clothing. Because it's virtually invincible, however, the plastic never degrades, making it a pollutant scourge on the environment. Since the bacteria's discovery, scientists at the University of Portsmouth and the U.S. Department of Energy's National Renewable Energy Laboratory have been trying to better understand how the bacteria is able to digest the plastic. In the midst of their studies, the scientists accidentally created a super enzyme derived from the bacteria, which is even stronger than its natural occurrence. This enzyme has the ability to break down plastic in a matter of days as opposed to the centuries it would take to naturally degrade in our oceans. The research team is now pursuing a patent on the enzyme so they can develop its potential and increase its digestion time in order to wield the enzyme on a more industrial scale. And since enzymes are non-toxic and biodegradable themselves, this discovery can be a major breakthrough in sustainably recycling the millions of tons of plastic polluting the planet. Okay, wait, hold on here. I got, I got a couple of comments. Um, I, I recently went to uh, Hawaii a few months ago and did some scuba diving. So I can personally attest to seeing um, garbage in the ocean, plastic, um, and, and, and actually taking some of it out of the ocean myself, uh, trying to do what I can. Um, but also, they don't need to get a fucking patent to keep going with this they need to get a patent so that they can make money off of it yeah, I think fuck making money let's just save the goddamn planet you know what i mean uh, like uh, how about we just worry about saving the planet and then also is this an enzyme that they're going to release into the quote-unquote wild or do we need to gather the plastic from the ocean and put it in a safe area for this enzyme to break it down. I'm imagining, can, like, I'm imagining a hybrid of both where they have massive filters or panels that they would just have underneath a boat that would just skim through the water, collecting and dissolving this shit and releasing clean, purified water back. Because if you just dump this 
in the ocean itself, yes, you will dissolve the plastic there, but what about people sailing around in their plastic boats? Guess what? They're going to spring a fucking leak. What about people scuba diving like you? Well, what are those clamps and hoses on your back made out of? Yeah, what, what What's your goggles made out of? Mm-hmm. So you can't ju- you can't just release that shit into the wild, but if you have these filters or like massive panels with containing these enzymes that will that will basically act like gills, mm-hmm. releasing water through them and dissolving all the plastic right off the bat, or at least collecting. I like it. that. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty damn sweet. I I did uh, I have heard about uh, this super enzyme uh, briefly before. Um, I'm glad I know a little bit more about it now. And I, I hope that this is uh, something that, you know, evolves faster and that we can actually put to good use sooner than later. Uh, unfortunately, I know the patent system is uh, a very broken system and can take years to get patents. Um, yeah. You might not even get it. So unfortunately, that's pro- un- like I would say that that's actually probably going to be a bigger roadblock they could, than the actual science behind doing if this. If it wasn't so ridiculously expensive to implement, I would suggest crowdfunding it. That way yeah, you could bypass well, exactly. patents. Yeah, just open source it and crowdfund it and basically say like, hey, let's clean the fucking water. Exactly. See what I, well, I you know what? If we you all just give one rupee yeah. to a crowdfunding source, we could probably get this off the ground. Yeah, if you, just one rupee. If you had, That's all I'm saying. If you had, if you had like barges that would collect this and just basically like like dump trucks just dump it back into a container or the like the uh, the enzyme pool mm-hmm. you can just skim everything through and then whatever water is left will just flow through this these this enzyme or these gates or whatever the barge will contain and uh, mm. flow that water right back in well they have I don't know if you've seen any of these uh, Facebook videos floating around for the past couple of years that have, uh, I think, there, well, there's two specific ones um, that this would kind of uh, maybe go in conjunction with. Uh, there was one that's kind of like a, a floating barge that has um, almost like a, a water rake connected to a conveyor belt. Didn't we talk about that uh, on, one, on an earlier episode, which was like a an array done by some uh, uh, Scandinavian kid who uh mm. wanted to clean up the ocean the garbage continents? it's it's possible i mean I've, I've seen there's probably tons of different ones but i mean like you could do something like that where where the conveyor belt is is picking it all up and just dumping it into a big vat of this enzyme and then uh because it's using a conveyor belt there would be very little water actually getting into the vat it would just be the enzyme itself and then there's also uh things like i think it's called the ocean bin or the sea bin which is basically uh, this large, almost like a trash bin that you kind of sink into the water and then it allows uh, the trash in the ocean or waterways, sea, lake, like wherever you put it, it allows all the trash to kind of flow into it, uh, but the water flows through it. So it's kind of like putting a spoon in the top of like, say, like a hollandaise or or some sort of a sauce where you're just trying to get like, say, the, the, the oil or the butter off of the top. And you're just getting the butter, but you're not getting anything else. It's very similar, right? Uh, so something like that could be used very well in conjunction with this, for sure. 
Yeah, and so I like this. Ooh, I th- <laughs> and what would you do with the remnants that get broken down? Well, what they're trying to do is use this enzyme to break the plastic down into its original components so it can be reformed and recycled back into plastic, which means less digging up oil. Which is good because, uh, you know, that shit ain't going to last forever, brah. And it reduces the amount of plastic in the environment. Which is always a good thing, for sure. And speaking of uh, scuba diving, I have a really cool, actually kind of two, really cool, interesting uh, products that I saw a little while ago. Um, after scuba diving for the first time, I saw this product uh, on a you know video online, and it's really, really cool. It's brought uh, to us by a company called, I want to say Blue, because it's B-L-U and then a three. And then, um, da- so and then Dabo D Dada. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm just assuming they want to be called Blue instead of Blue 3 or something. Uh, but it's called the Nomad. And what this is, is it's essentially a like kind of like a backpack almost uh that you bring with you to the beach or wherever um and then it has i believe uh 35 uh 35 feet of uh i don't want to say cord but of uh air pipe i guess or whatever so it's like a little so it's a buoy with a hose Yes, essentially, but it actually has a large battery on board and an air uh, and an air pump. So it's essentially taking the it's taking the snorkeling experience down to around thirty five to forty feet, which is actually the about the same distance you're allowed to scuba dive to. If you go and get your uh, first level uh, scuba diving license or scuba diving uh, certification is only to about 30 feet, I believe. Uh, so you can basically go down to the exact same level that a, you know, a, a novice or an amateur scuba diver can go to um, without having to carry all of this heavy equipment with you, which really frees you up and allows you to have more fun um and it can basically go for around 60 minutes you just bring it with you to the beach you plop it down on the beach or it has its own flotation device it has a little flag a little diver's flag on top so that uh you know boats going by or people around you know that there's a diver down below uh it can notify you when you only have a few minutes left of uh air obviously well, if it doesn't uh, get the yeah air it's from got the outside. a yes but it, it but once the uh, electricity once the battery runs out then you know it's not going to give you any more air uh and 40 feet uh, a 40 foot hose you wouldn't really be able to suck the air down with your the own your own power uh with huh. your own lungs right so it's it's actually really really innovative it's got a little storage space on board so you can put your phone or whatever you want to put it's it's a fully waterproof area so if it gets wavy Um, what stops the water from going down that hose and into your lungs or if it starts Uh, to rain well i assume well you're i mean you're not gonna go snorkeling in the rain like nobody's dumb enough to go weather can change that's true and and you can't predict waves again what if waves start blowing, start well, like see, crush, cr- start cresting on top of that thing, 
and it gets soaked, then you'll only notice that when you're like... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But Also, I, waves, another question about waves. What stops that from, from... What about riptides pulling the buoy, and thereby you, further out to sea? Um, that's very... Can, can we pause for a second? <laughs> as far as the uh, water coming in, uh, I'm sure... I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm sure it's probably very similar to um, the snorkels that they have that uh, stop kind of waves from getting in, um, although it doesn't stop all of it. But uh, what it is is basically a spit valve where if there's water coming in, you just spit it right back out. Um, and then also there will be probably be some sort of a, uh, my guess would be, so it's going to have a cap on the top probably, right? And then underneath that is where um, there would be drains all around it. But in the middle of that, under almost like an umbrella, I would guess, like a quote-unquote umbrella sort of thing or a dome, would be where it's going to get his air so that basically no matter unless it's sinking then that way there would be no water being able to get in it now as far as it dragging you um because of riptides yes that is that is very possible um however i believe there is a quick release system involved so that if you need to um cut yourself loose very quickly you can also, because you're only 40 feet down or 35 to 40 feet down, you don't technically need to do any safety sops. Uh, so you don't have to worry about uh, decompression sickness um, coming up too fast from that depth. It's not going to permanently damage anything. Yeah, your ears may hurt a little bit, may feel a little bit woozy for a few minutes, but it's nothing. There's no permanent damage that's going to happen from from that uh, distance down in the water. So you can easily get back up to the surface in pretty much a breath of air, which I almost had to prove to myself when I very nearly ran out of air when I myself went scuba diving because, you know, the first few times that you go scuba diving, you don't really know what to do or how to do it and how to move and how not to move. And the more you move underwater, uh, the more air you use, obviously. And so I moved a lot more than everybody else I was with. So I used a lot more air. So you know, the, the timing kind of became an issue. But like I said, I'm pretty sure there is a uh, uh, there's a quick release system that's going to be involved. So you'll be able to just basically cut yourself loose real quick and, and jump right up to the surface. The other interesting part that I believe you're going to like is it has a built-in data collection aspect. So it has a sensor package that seamlessly collects environmental data while you're diving. And it's going to have a whole bunch of sensors included, such as uh, GPS, uh, depth sensors, temperature, and possibly more. They don't really list any others. but That GPS one would be would... great if you could mount it with something you leave on the shore. That way it would let you know, oh, by the way, you are drifting away from shore. Well, I mean, um, if you have, I mean, like they might, they, they could probably have it. Um, what would it be look what would connect it be connected to, to in that like it says it connects you with could, your smartphone but you're under the water well yeah but your smartphone's above the water so it's connecting to your smartphone to give all of the data to your smartphone so that you know where you dove how far you dove how long oh, you so dove and also to collect this uh depth and temperature sensor information however 
technically speaking, they probably could connect this to a dive computer, a wrist-based dive computer or a dive watch. Um, if, if, you know, if they wanted they to, it might be a little... with the Coast Guard so that if you end up missing, they'll at least know where to start looking. Yeah, exactly. The only problem with connecting and they'll find it your to and they'll find a, your corpse uh, within forty feet of the cable. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> unless you uh, broke free of it with the uh, the quick release. But the only problem with connecting it to a uh, a dive computer or something is then you'd have to have yet another wire coming down along with your uh, air, because getting a wireless signal forty feet through water uh, would probably be very difficult. So you know. There, there's something that um, you know is still, I guess, would be a little under development, obviously. Um, but I think that that's really freaking cool. I love the idea of this. Um, you know, just the idea of being able to basically take this, go to the beach, and dive down underneath the water immediately, not have to have a certification, um, because uh, getting yourself certified not only takes time, but it also takes money. I myself now am on my third certification. I have my uh, scuba diver certification, which allows me to go up to 40 feet down in the water or 30 feet down in the water. But I have to be with uh, an instructor or a, um, a master diver, a dive master. Uh, so I can't go by myself, or at least I couldn't. I now have my open water diving as well, which allows me to go a little bit deeper. Also allows me to go with fewer people. Uh, there's fewer restrictions involved with that. I can dive in more areas with more companies. And I also just got my Nitrox, uh, which is basically, um, you know, more, uh, it's, it's a purer air. So they take, uh, you know, like when you're breathing natural air, like we're breathing right now, there's, there's nitrogen in it, right? So when you get your Nitrox certification, they, they make that mixture uh, more pure air so that you can actually dive longer because when you're under the water, nitrox builds up in your blood, which is very bad, which is where decompression sickness can come from, you know, blah, 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 a lot of details. But basically, long story short is for the open water testing to get your open water certification for me myself cost me almost $800 Canadian. Now, I got about 100 to 150 of that back because it was a uh, equipment deposit, but still it can be very expensive depending on where you get it. Uh, my fiance got it done when she was abroad, I think in Costa Rica or Mexico or something where it was a little cheaper. However, again, you don't learn quite the same things. And, and when you do it in places like that, sometimes they're, it's just a money grab, right? Like they're not teaching you things properly necessarily. So I would definitely suggest that if scuba diving is your thing, you make sure that you get it done at a uh, PADI certified center. Um, but it can be very expensive. So having something like this is, is really freaking cool because now you don't necessarily need to get that certification. Uh, they also have something else called the Nemo, which is essentially a even more compact um, diving system that supports one diver up to 10 feet. The question is, uh, is it easy or hard to find? Which? What? The Nemo? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you think you can find it, but you just can't, Mike. Damn it. You think it's where you left it, but then you go halfway across the ocean and he's, and it's in a fucking fish tank. What the hell? <laughs> 
but so so this little Nemo product is it's very very small. This would be for very uh, short, you know, like ten feet or three meter uh, snorkeling adventures. So this would be, you know, obviously even closer to the surface again allowing you to in an emergency situation get to the surface even faster it's obviously much smaller much lighter and again much uh, obviously much more affordable Uh, i don't believe either of these products are available yet however you can um pre-register on their site to find out when they will be available and that is at dive blue that's blu3 dot com and i just I really love this because um, I was I was extremely scared to go snorkeling at first, or sorry, to go scuba diving. Uh, when I did it, it is one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life. Going beneath the water, it is literally like an alien world. It it is like nothing you've ever experienced. Seeing um, the different animals or mammals and uh, aquatic life, uh, fish. All of these different things underneath the water is just absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, I didn't see any, you know, whales or anything up close. I didn't get to see any um, uh, dolphins or anything like that. I did get to see some giant sea turtles, which were about, I think they said about 300 pounds. And the one that I saw, uh, I believe his name was Dude Crush. Just joking. Uh, But uh, it's really cool um, seeing these creatures really up close and... um, I would definitely suggest uh, anybody and everybody who goes on vacation or lives near the water to try snorkeling, uh, maybe take an introductory course to scuba diving if you can afford it, if you want. It's it's absolutely incredible. And products like this bring that ability to more people. And the more of us get to go in the ocean, the more of us can see how much we're wrecking the ocean, which can help us understand you know why we're doing it and why we need to stop doing it and so and if, i just i love these and things. if nothing else you can slowly clean the ocean by taking the plastic in your hair uh by, yeah by or, turning people or in your into pockets. tiny filters yeah i i, I guess yeah that's true <laughs> and on a completely um like 180 degree turn here <laughs> uh since it is summer people are getting outdoors again And uh, last year, and the year before that, even more so, Pokemon Go was the big thing that everybody was playing. Mike, did you play it? Uh, For about three weeks, and then it Pokemon went. (laughs) And then it Poke went? Yeah. I went to these training centers thinking, oh, great, now I can buff up my dude instead of having to, like, keep cannibalizing them and feeding them to their own kind. Which is, you know... Sed- you mean gyms? You went to the gyms? Yeah, and uh, okay. kept getting destroyed <laughs> because there's no tutorial saying, like, how do you actually fight a Pokemon? It's all about catching the damn thing. It seems like fighting is on autopilot or some shit. Okay, well, I guess you just didn't, you know, look at the tutorial because there is one. But anyway, <laughs> that was the big thing uh, for the past little while. Now, Still, actually- you have to, f- to make your Pokemon stronger, you have to feed them their own kind. You got you. You no. want one strong Pidgey. You've got to feed, like seven Pidgeys, to a Pidgey to make it turn into a Pidgeot. What the fuck are you talking about? No, you don't. Well, you technically you release them and you get eggs back or something, 
But you know, you know what's really happening is that you're throwing them into a grinder, and then it's it's popping out candies made out of their bones and meat. Uh, no, but okay. <laughs> you're supposed to get like Pokemon. You're supposed to get, and then you only get like rare ones, which you can't level because you know how are you going to release your your Pikachu if you've only got one? So you can't level it, so it's fucking useless because it stays at its small. You level. walk it. When you walk your Pokemon, you get candies for walking at a certain amount of kilometers every every certain amount of kilometers you get free candies yes there are many many new features i actually still play pokemon go on and off my uh, me and my fiance uh, have been very competitive over the past few years i am a level 35 mystic and my fiance is a level 36 mystic so Um, can you fight each other for training not yet, unfortunately, which is really ridiculous because they did announce that PvP might be a thing, I think, like 19 months ago now or something like that, which is a little ridiculous. But I digress. So AR gaming uh, was a big thing because of Pokemon Go. Uh, now Pokemon Go has slightly faded. You don't see every single person out, you know, like you did the first summer it came out. That was a huge thing. You know, there were all these lawsuits and cities were suing Niantic and companies were trying to buy their way into, you know, becoming Pokemon gyms, e.g. Starbucks or whatever. Killers were upset that school kids were stumbling upon their bodies. Yep. Also, people were walking off of cliffs, all of this stuff. Um, (laughs) Well, now... Oh my God, that means Pokemon did its goal to reduce the amount of stupid people in the world. Okay, I'm starting to to like this. (laughs) Anything that that kills stupid people... I'm down for there it. are more options now um, as there are new AR games. Yes, well, there I have oh, I guess there are plenty of AR games, but in the sense of uh, map-based AR games, there are new good games, I should say, because yeah, there was like Garfield Go and Cat Go. Are you fucking kidding me? Unfortunately, I am not. What uh, the so hell would Garfield exist? have to do with exploring? He's fat. He never leaves the house, unless unless, know, unless, unless it, he wants to go fuck his girlfriend. It's on just that a fence. way for a developer to basically clone the game and and make money off of it. You know, just some lazy ass developer. But that was a shit game. Now we have good games like Jurassic World Alive, which has actually just been released a little over a month ago. I played it for a little while. Uh, it was a little interesting. You basically go around collecting different dinosaurs. Or not collecting, I should say, but you you find them out in the wild, and then you have a drone that hovers over them, and you shoot them with DNA collecting darts. And then once you've gotten enough DNA points, then you get to clone it and have it for yourself. And then you can battle other people, other players in an arena and win Jurassic you know, Pokemon. No, it's Jurassic World Alive, asshole. Go fuck. It's yourself. Jurassic Pokemon. But there are many new versions of this coming out. Uh, Niantic themselves have announced that the next. Do, do you game get to that... find Pope? Do you get to find a power up in the wild, which is a Barbasol can? Are you gonna let me fucking finish, you dick? Fuck! I want to throw a Nedry joke in there. Will you get to find the Barbasol? Jesus! Will you get to find the Barbasol can full of dino semen? I don't fucking know. I didn't play it that fucking much. Do you die if you walk in tall grass? The... No. <laughs> What? You know, clever girl. Not unless you get bit by a tick and get Lyme disease like Avril Lavigne. <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> Apparently, that's the rumor. 
So anyway, <laughs> Niantic, who created this whole craze through the uh, creation of Ingress, which was a uh, kind of the first Pokemon Go, like before Pokemon Go was Ingress. Then they came out with Pokemon Go, which kind of hit the masses. Now they're working on one that should be coming out uh, shortly called Harry Potter Wizards Unite, which is going to be a PvP Harry Potter-based version of Pokemon Go where you get to go around and collect potions and I guess maybe Horcruxes and battle other wizards, which will be really fucking cool. However, there is also another one called Ghostbusters World, which you will be able to go around and capture ghosts oh, in the world shit. Do you and get to, like, rid the world of ghosts. Oh, man, you, get to, you get to use your phone as a proton pack? Pretty much. Exactly. And even better for some people. Uh, we are now entering the world of Map AR Zombies with the announcement of The Walking Dead Our World as well, which will be a zombie-based game where you basically go around killing zombies and trying to survive picking up survival gear and building, I'm going to guess, fortresses. Now, uh, Ghostbusters World and Walking Dead Our World both have not been released. Uh, and actually, neither has uh, Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Those three have not been released. We're still waiting on more details. Um, I think that this way of gaming this form of gaming is actually really fun it's a really good way to get out get healthy get outdoors i love just going out like uh, me and my fiance go out for about an hour walk every single night uh when we can and we play pokemon go and that is a way for us to get outside you know have some fun and and you would and just... you would be outside for three hours but your battery's dead at that point you know what? It's actually not that bad. It's not as bad as you would think, especially with, uh, you know, cell phone batteries uh, being uh, actually pretty big these days. But I think that they could really do this for a lot of different franchises. Uh, I feel like uh, Dragon Ball Z would be something that they could do this with. That would be very interesting. Although my favorite franchise that I, I personally believe that this needs to be done with is Digimon. Because Digimon and Pokemon were the very first two kind of head-to-head -head monster games um, that, you know, you were... E it's like the, the Mac versus PC thing. You were either a Digimon fan or you were a Pokemon fan. You couldn't really be both, necessarily. Digimon, and digital monsters, Digimon are the Digimon are champions. The champions. Changing um, to digital I just feel like champions to say the digital world. World. I feel like Digimon would be a really good um, use of this game um, or of this game idea. I, I, I just, I, I really love having AR games. Uh, Pokemon Go recently, uh, I believe it's only with the iPhone version. Uh, they added in some new technology where basically when you have the camera system on so that you're seeing... The Pokemon placed over real world things that you're seeing through your camera on your screen. You can it, it will interact with different things in the environment. So say you're looking at your friend, the Pokemon might be on their shoulder, and if you swat your shoulder, the Pokemon will fly away. Um, so things like this are are definitely going to help people become uh, more uh, involved and uh, you know focused with it, uh, have more fun with it. 
And I just really think that um, we're looking at a resurgence of this type of game coming soon. Um, I personally cannot fucking wait to try Harry Potter Wizards Unite because I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I want to be a wizard. I can't wait to go to Harry Potter Wizarding World. <laughs> My sister brought me back um, a uh, an actual wand from Harry Potter Wizarding World, uh, Ollivander's Wand Shop. Um, I'm just a huge, huge fan of the Harry Potter uh, universe and Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So I think that this is going to be a really big thing. And, and there are tons of these games still out there. Pokemon Go is still going. They've added a bunch of new features. There's raids now. Uh, there's um, rare Pokemon. There's more rare Pokemon. Uh, there's all sorts of new different kinds of berries and leveling systems. Uh, so if, if you used to play it and you haven't played it in a, a year or so, you know, now might be a time to go back. They have monthly community day events where you can get uh, shiny Pokemon, where you can get, um, you know, special uh, the, every, every month or so they release a new uh, rare Pokemon like the, uh, what you know, Articuno, Zapdos, Groudon, all of these Pokemon that you see in the uh, Pokemon anime movies, which are legendary Pokemons. These are now released for the raid systems where you actually have to go and get together with a group of usually a minimum of about seven people. And you have to battle these Pokemon together to get a chance to catch it. You can't do it by yourself. It is impossible. So you actually have to go out and talk with other people, meet new people, have a group of so friends everyone, that you're doing So everyone this captures with. a version of this or only one person gets yes. it? No, everyone can capture their own version of it. But you have to battle it together. You have to get together with a group of people. So how do you battle this so, thing? Just throw your balls at it? Which no, really sounds have, like a, a porn movie that I don't You see. have a set of six different Pokemon that you get to choose to go into the battle Wait, with. Wait, you can Usually, fight Pokemon with Pokemon now. Yeah, you've been able to do that the entire time the game's been out. No, but you, now you, you can throw do race at a guy, and then maybe go to a gym and get your ass kicked by someone who planted like a level eighty Gyarados. Okay, but yeah, you can fight that Gyarados with other Pokemon. That was the point, and except now uh, you can do raids and get uh, other Pokemon, and then when you complete the raid, you also get uh, different items. So, uh, like I said, it's it's you know definitely going to be coming uh, i believe it's going to uh, have a little bit of a resurgence mm -hmm. this year and also ingress is also making a comeback with a new update coming soon to make it even cooler yeah. uh, ingress is basically pokemon go without pokemon you're pretty much kind of hacking the world in a way it's kind of like a computer version of it in a way uh, so you have to connect different uh quote-unquote pokestops together with your team uh, connecting them all around the world. The more connections you make, the stronger you become, the stronger your team becomes, and now they're making it even cooler. So I just think that uh, this type of gaming is really good, especially with the fact that uh, North Americans as a whole, and I'm including Canadians, even though we are less a victim of this, are uh, some of the most obese uh, populace, or populations in the world. So having games that get you outside, get you exercising is a really good thing. So, you know, the more the merrier. Let's bring out 
Dragon Ball Z Go, Let's Bring Out Digimon Go, Ghostbusters Go, Harry Potter Go, Walking Dead Go, Sailor Moon you Go. You know, like, say, fuck it, Sailor Moon Go. Let's let's do some friggin', you know, Hello Kitty Go. I don't give a shit. The more of these we can have, the better. Yeah, and the more of them there are, the more different versions and different ways we're going to have to play. I was kidding with um, Sailor Moon, but I would really love fun. to see Samurai Pizza Cats Go. Oh, gosh, yeah. Or uh, Tattooed Teenagers uh, go. What was it? Uh, tattooed teenage, teenage alien, alien fighters from Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or oh, oh man, what was it? Uh, Superhuman Samurai Super Cyber Squad. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Beetleborgs go. Fuck it. Let's just do all of the Saban products Voltron go. and just add a go at the end of it. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I'm just a huge fan of this stuff, and I just wanted an excuse to talk about it and have more people play, basically, because I get lonely. <laughs> well, we should. Lonely, I'm so lonely. I have nobody to call my own. So lonely, so lonely, so sad and alone. Oh god, that's terrible. <laughs> So terrible. Righto. Well, I think that's pretty much it of us yelling at each other. It's just going to get worse. And interrupting each other. (laughs) And fucking with each other. Uh, So this has been uh, yet another episode of Technobabble. Oh, man. Well, if you you enjoyed the show and you want to support it financially, we are at Patreon, what, Geek Fallout? Uh, patreon.com slash geek fallout right you can support us for as little as a dollar a month just uh, help us keep the lights on pay the bills and if you have any ideas for incentives like what else you'd like to hear from us or see us do hell let us know or better yet give us a review on iTunes Indeed. or even better just share us with your friends share us on Twitter share us on Facebook come by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash geek fallout productions leave us a message Leave us a story you want us to talk about. Or just tell Mike how much you hate him. I do that all the time. Join in the fun. <laughs> uh, you know, at, at, you know, at this point in my life, any attention is good attention. So I'll take it. I'll read it. Well, no publicity is bad publicity. You know what they say. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you guys on the next episode of Techno Babble. Am I supposed to stop?